I think we were both really excited about podcasting as a space. Yeah. And everyone we talked to and we said we want to do something in podcasting was very excited. So I think that was like a very good early signal. It mm-hmm. was like, okay, I think we're sort of on the right track. Podcast Junkies, episode 201. I am back from Podcast Movement. I'm here recording in my closet. And uh, it's been a whirlwind past week. That's what happens when it's the sixth straight year of Podcast Movement, making so many new friends, reuniting with old ones, so many memories, so many late nights. And uh, it was actually the first year that I didn't get to attend any sessions that I wasn't a part of. So the real quick recap, I hosted a new podcaster, Primer, which was on the Tuesday. And shout out to Jennifer Longworth of Bourbon Barrel Podcasting, based out of Kentucky, who was the sponsor of the event and asked me to join her. And I think we'll be doing that every year. And then on Thursday, I hosted a panel of NASA podcast, which was an amazing experience. Shout out to Kayvon, who helped coordinate it. I actually saw Kayvon and met him at last year's Primer uh, podcast Primer event, and we kept in touch. We saw each other at NAB, and lo and behold, we were able to put together a panel, and I was able to moderate it. So I think I might get into moderating more. It's going to be a lot of fun. So many cool technology companies doing amazing things. Uh, obviously was hanging out with uh, a lot of folks that you may be familiar with, uh, the Squadcasts, the Simplecasts of the world. I did see some new technologies. I'm checking out an app called Flick. This week, I had the pleasure of speaking with Leah Culver. She's the co-founder of Breaker at Breaker.audio. In case you don't know what Breaker is, it's a podcast app. Um, and there's a lot of podcast apps. Uh, I started out obviously using Apple Podcasts, like many people do, and then I've since uh, been using Overcast a lot, but I'm very interested in what Breaker is doing. Since the company is small, they're able to innovate pretty quickly, and one of the first features that caught my eye was this ability to comment on specific episodes. So they're going to get more engagement from people who are looking to build up a community there, so I really like what they're doing, and I'm uh, grateful for her for making the time to come on the show and talk a little bit more about what they're doing. We also just wrapped up our global podcast meetup day, which was the last Saturday of podcast movement. So naturally I was there in person with podcasters. So I'm appreciative of Neo Social for setting that up as well. This episode is brought to you by Focusrite and specifically the Scarlet 2i2, which is my go-to sound card. I was so happy to see Dan Hewley and the Focusrite team at Podcast Movement recently, and I couldn't be more happier that they are an ongoing sponsor of Podcast Junkies. This sound card is so clean, and it's my go-to recommendation for new clients. Even if you have a microphone that has a USB output and you're tempted to just go directly into your laptop, I can't recommend highly enough how much better your voice will sound once you're routing it through the clean preamps of the 2i2. And this 3G version is a thing of beauty. They've even added an air mode, which enhances the quality of the sound. As always, you're able to monitor your sound directly from the Scarlet. And there's even a solo version if you don't need both channels. I typically use the 2i2, but I've had some clients set up the solo and they're just as happy with it. It's just the one channel in, um, and it's a really compact unit. So nothing but good things to say about the Scarlet 2i2. It's my definite go-to recommendation. 
Today's episode is also brought to you by Beyond the Podcast. Sponsored by AWeber, it's the premier virtual summit for podcasters. It's going to be held on September 18th from 11 a.m. Eastern to 3 p.m. Eastern. When it comes to simple email marketing solutions, AWeber is definitely one of the market leaders for entrepreneurs and small businesses. This awesome free one-day event is going to go way beyond episode downloads. Six of the top most successful podcasting experts in the world, including myself, will give you the proven and actionable tips and advice on how to grow your listening audience, secure strategic sponsorships, market your show in new creative ways, and make your podcast more profitable. All you need to do is go to beyondthepodcastsummit.com, sign up for free, and you'll also be entered for a chance to win a brand new podcasting setup. Okay, let's get into this conversation with Leah Culver. I hope you enjoy it. And don't forget to stay to the end of the episode where I reveal this week's retention hashtag. So Leah Culver, co-founder of Breaker Audio. Thank you so much for joining us on Podcast Junkies. Hi, thanks so much for having me. So Leah, one of the fun ways we kick off our conversations here is the origin story. So once you see our co-founder and breaker, I'm very curious about what some of those early conversations you had with your fellow co-founders, because anyone who's in podcasting knows that there's no shortage of podcast apps <laughs> right now. And, and there's all everyone's having looking for different ways to differentiate their offering. Mm-hmm. So um, if you could take us back in time when you first started having conversations with your co-founder, I'm, I'm curious what those were like. Sure. So um, my co-founder and I are both engineers by trade, software engineers, and we've known each other for a few years just through the tech community in San Francisco. We both have lived in San Francisco. And for a while, um, we were working very similar jobs. So I was working um, at Dropbox on their API team as sort of like a developer advocate, which is kind of help and support and also marketing for their APIs. And Eric, my co-founder, and was doing a very similar thing. He was working to help support the APIs for SoundCloud in Berlin. So he was living in Berlin for a few years working on SoundCloud. But we would run into each other at a lot of the same events because we basically had the same job, um, but just for different companies. And um, he said to me, oh, if you ever have an idea for a new company and want to start something, I'd be interested in working with you. And I kept that in the back of my mind. So, so Breaker is my third startup that I've built. And I was kind of I'm surprised Breaker even started because I was kind of not into building another startup. I was kind of uninterested. I was like, oh, I've done two and I don't really have any interest in doing anymore. But I think the idea um, really stuck with me. So we think of podcasting, people that like podcasts think of it as a big deal, but it's still very small in terms of like a community and in terms of like a media format, um, but growing, growing quickly. So at the time, this was I'd say like 2016, Serial had just come out and I actually got into podcasts by listening to Serial. So I'm a very average user. Um, mm. I hadn't really listened to any podcasts prior to Serial. Um, and when it came out, I listened on the Apple podcast app on my phone. Um, so very, very mm. typical sort of normal user. And then once I had finished listening to Serial, I had the question, okay, I like podcasts. This was great. Where can I find things like this? And what else could I listen to? Um, and so I went to like Apple's recommendations and tried a few, but wasn't really sold on them. And I ended up going to a lot of friends and just asking, like, what do you listen to? What do you like? Um, and it, it was very frustrating for me. And so I think what came out of that was this idea of like, well, okay, if I want to know like what books people are reading, I just go to Goodreads. If I want to like know what people are, what articles are reading, I just go to Twitter. 
you know, I, there's all these other places that we share information online and I don't actually like need to ask in person. You would, the last comment you made were you really weren't too impressed by the, the podcast apps that you saw. So I wasn't too impressed with the discovery sort of features with other podcasts uh, or with the Apple podcast app specifically. And I, I th- thought kind of in general, the podcast space hadn't been really touched by tech companies in a while. Um, so I thought it was a good market for disruption um, in terms of being able to apply technology to sort of advance uh, the format. Um, so I reached out to Eric, um, who's working at SoundCloud, and I said, what do you think of podcasts? Are you interested? And he worked at SoundCloud not because he loves EDM, but because he loves podcasts. So he had seen very similar things to what I was seeing, which was that there was this huge interest in Serial, which was hosted on SoundCloud. Um, and so he got to sort of witness firsthand how each week it got more and more listeners. And he said, okay, there really is something here. I think we could build a business sort of in podcasting. Um, so that's sort of how we got started working together. And Breaker actually was built as a side project, um, the app itself. Um, so we make an iOS app for listening to podcasts as sort of the first product we're making. I can't really uh, say that's the only product we make anymore. We have a way for podcasters to charge money through what we call Breaker Upstream, but I think the name might change for it soon. But it basically allows you to offer pricing on shows and episodes. So like, say you have a podcast, but you want to sell a single episode that's like a bonus episode or exclusive content. We do that. And we also have an Android app coming out very soon. So I can't say we're an iOS app for listening to podcasts anymore. Um, And then we've got lots more stuff in the works. So to be a podcast app is not really exactly what the company is. I mean, that was our first entrance into the space, but I think we're pretty rapidly expanding from that starting point. That being said, there are quite a few uh, podcast listening apps, but Breaker is also at the same time, I think, fairly uh, fairly different. So what we ended up doing differently at Breaker or on the Breaker app is that we allow you to sort of follow people as in like mm-hmm. a social network. You can like episodes. You can send them to people. We have like nice shareable links for Twitter and Facebook, but you can also send them within the app. You can chat inside the app. So all these features that... I sort of feel are like very sort of common amongst like any app that you would use these days, but really weren't in podcast apps. So the way I looked at other podcast apps is they're like a note taking tool. They're a productivity tool. Um, Mm -hmm. And Breaker was what, what would a podcast app look like if it wasn't a productivity tool? What if it was for entertainment or for being social or for sharing and discussing things? So that's where really the starting point of of Breaker and, and where we've been going, um, and yeah, it's been really great. Um, we were just actually looking at data today that shows that people are finding episodes 60, it was between 60 and 70% of the time, not mm. from shows that they're already subscribed to, but from like other locations in the app, um, things that are unique to Breaker. So through discovery, um, and we have a feature called like playlists, which brings in new episodes from shows you're subscribed to, but you can also just add episodes to them. So you can have like a save it for later playlist and you can save episodes into that playlist. And so people really love, love that feature. So there's just a lot of, um, it's a lot of discovery at breaker. It's all, uh, you know, a lot of our user base uses our discovery tools. So it's big on discovery and then big on like sharing. So liking things and then sharing them with other people, which fuels the discovery. What, I know that part of the challenge from a discovery standpoint, I know that on the front page, it's, you know, if you've got shows, you've got that sort of that slideshow happening at the top where you're sh- highlighting people 
you're highlighting episodes that you've already subscribed to, which is, I think is important because sometimes I know myself, obviously, as a podcast junkie, I probably have anywhere from 50 to 100. I lost count already <laughs> on, my, on my podcast app, and, I was, and I've tried a bunch of different ones. But how about discovery of shows that, that you don't subscribe to, but you, you, I don't know if there's maybe an algorithm that would figure out like something you might like. So, so sort of like Amazon's, if you shop for this, you might like this. Yes. So we do on that same homepage, if you scroll down further, we show you things from your subscriptions. We mm-hmm. also show things from your friends. So things that people you follow have been listening to. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a view for recommended for you, which is basically what you're thinking of, which is the, you've listened to this, people that listen to this also listen to this kind of recommendation. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's actually, we have a blog post about how we did it. It's kind of fun because we have kind of our own popularity ranking for episodes, specifically episodes, not whole shows. Oh, also Breaker is not focused on entire podcasts because similar to the podcast you're listening to now, a lot of times podcasts will have different guests or different themes to their episodes. And then being able to highlight really special episodes, I think is meaningful for listeners. So instead of having to commit to an entire podcast, you can just sort of in Breaker, you can just kind of see what's popular and hop in and listen to like one episode of a podcast and then an episode from another podcast. It can be low commitment. Of course, you can subscribe to something and, and be more of a committed committed listener, but also we get a lot of traffic for just individual episodes. So we also have like a top episodes under like the discover tab where you can see like the top, you know, 10, 15 episodes um, right now, today, this week and this month. And this month is pretty interesting to see. Some is, that, of the is that on the, is that on the main, the front page? That's on the search, search. search okay. Yep. And I think something that would be interesting sometimes is when I I'm introduced into a new show and obviously I have a lot of people <laughs> pitching me to be on the show and mm-hmm. they send me and send me their links and they're like, Oh, check out my show. Mm-hmm. Something, something that would be helpful is the ability to see what the most popular episodes on a specific podcast are. Is, is that something that you're able to, to get by digging yeah, into Yeah. So actually, if you go to a show on Breaker, you can kind of see how many people have liked and commented on it. Okay. Um, we've been, we've talked about like highlighting a particular episode, um, mm-hmm. maybe at the top of the screen or something like that. You can, you can sort by popular right now. So if you tap popular, you'll get the top, top episodes listed first. Yeah. Um, which is helpful, like you're saying, for a show that has hundreds of episodes or has been running for a long time. It's like, okay, if you just want to check it out, which episode is the best to try first? And I saw you also have a section called under 20 minutes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's, we, we play around, actually this whole home screen, we play around with a lot, um, in terms of, you know, what content we think could be interesting to listeners. If you're in a different country, we also, or if you have a language setting that's not English, we will show you top podcast episodes in your language. Probably doesn't apply to us here, but, uh, that's yeah, also yeah. a pretty popular feature. How often are you guys uh, iterating in terms of like new features and, and seeing what some of the other podcast apps are doing so we uh, release new versions of the iOS app almost weekly. Mm. Um, and we prefer not to chase other podcast apps. I think some yeah. of the stuff we do is similar. For example, we have like a sleep timer. Um, mm-hmm. We have silent skipping. We have a CarPlay app. We have sort of all the typical stuff you'd expect from a podcast player. But then we do crazy stuff. So we just added the ability to create the playlists. So you can make a public playlist and now yeah. people can follow your public playlist. Mm, so we just cool. launched that. Yeah. Um, which is, is pretty exciting, which is kind of fun. So if you want to put together a playlist of episodes and share it on Twitter, 
other people can follow it. Yeah. So, so we're trying some, some stuff is very similar to other apps and some stuff is pretty out there and different. How about interaction with the mobile app and syncing up with anything a, a listener might want to do on a, a desktop? Sure. So we're actually working on building out our website right now. Um, historically, we've pretty much been focused on the iOS app, but now we're going to have Android as well and then building out the web. And I think as part of that, we'll, we'll work on syncing. Your account will sync across all three platforms currently, um, but like we'd also like to sync things like playback, um, right? But now all your likes and listens and things will transfer between. That's, that's part of like your breaker account. So that's always there. Have you had any discussions with the the folks in Podchaser about how they're you know because they're they're doing a really good job and I and I had Cole Raven on a couple of episodes ago mm-hmm. of trying to just really be the, the the repository for the metadata so you know who who the who the authors are of the specific episode and who's you know in terms of who's listed in the credits and I, one of the, one of the conversations they've had is just to reach out to all the podcast app makers about having that readily available, you know, maybe through an API so that when you look at an episode and if you wanted to deep dive on that spe- the specific metadata, that, that would be readily available. Right. Yeah. So we, we get a lot of our metadata, obviously, through like the RSS feeds as, mm-hmm. as, as everyone else. Um, but we also have, we've had guests, guest credits and host credits for two years now um, on Breaker. They're not the most popular feature because we have to add them by hand. So okay. it's really friends of ours get their, their credits added. Um, and it's usually related to a person instead of mm-hmm. like a network. So for example, um, you're the host of your own, your own show as opposed to like a company. And I think that that's in keeping in line with like keeping things about people. So one of the nice things is you can go see what your favorite hosts listen to, which is pretty cool. And then we have this really fun feature where if you're following someone and they're a guest on a podcast, you'll get like a push notification. So everyone, when this episode comes out, everyone that follows me will get a notification when I was a guest, um, <laughs> which is, cool. which is cool. Yeah. It's really fun. I like the idea of it being sort of an open standard or things that we can work with other folks on. And I think we're very open to that. Um, we're also figuring out ways that we can make that more readily available to podcasters so that you can add your own guests. You can add your own, um, credit. Part of the, the, the biggest challenge with folks that have been listening for a long time is, you know, they're sort of set in their ways. And, and I know for the longest time, I've been a, a big user of Overcast mm-hmm. uh, simply because they were early out of the, you know, he's, he was, Marco was early out of the gate with a lot of the, the features like playlists, which is important when you start to have a, a large collection of podcasts, it starts to get unruly. You don't have a way to organize them. So is there anything in, in the works or anything in the place now in terms of for to make it easier for po- for folks who want to switch over from another app? Yeah, that's a great question. So when you join Breaker, we do give you the option to import from a handful of apps. But really, there's a standard called OPML, um, which is like an import-export file that you can generate for any podcast app and import it into another podcast app. We make it a little Mm. easier. We just have a button that says (laughs) Overcast, for example, and you can import from Overcast. And we'll get all your subscriptions. But I don't even know how many other podcast apps track listening history, but that is not part of the standard. Mm. So we won't get your full listening history, but we have nice ways that you can like mark whole shows as listened and kind of catch up there. We also have a lot of data that other podcast apps don't have like likes and mm. sort of that kind of history. But yeah, I think there's a lot of interest in interoperability between podcast app to make it easier to switch if you so desire to try different features. And do, do you have like any interesting stories of folks who have been 
like with all podcast apps or without with all software as I'm sure you can relate to, there's always the people who are early adopters and who've been with you for the longest time, and they end up being the power users because they, they you know, they really use every single feature and are anxiously awaiting all your updates. So, um, do you have a, a core group of users that um, have been, you know, ravenous fans since the beginning? Oh, definitely. Uh, <laughs> shout out to I, I mean, they know who they are if they're listening to this, but yeah, uh, we really appreciate you talking about Breaker and sharing Breaker and. And being fans, we did mm-hmm. a survey. Ooh, I want to say a few months ago, um, and we're, yep. we'll probably do it again to figure <laughs> out sort of like who our most mm. passionate users are. And then with that data, we kind of find out what do they really love about Breaker. And we've been sort of doubling down on those features. So things that come up all the time with people who use Breaker regularly um, is sort of the discovery aspect. The design, which mm. surprised me, I think there's a lot of discontent with the Apple yeah. Podcast app design. Yeah, so th- those two have been pretty big for us, discovery and design. Um, the social features as like a function of discovery, I think, has been useful. But yeah, yeah. So that's that's what's exciting, and we see what's interesting about Breaker is that we see from the first month to the second month of using Breaker, the number of su- shows that a user is subscribed to doubles. So it means they're discovering new content, right? So like. If you were to import all of your shows from one app to Breaker, and for most people, they end up adding more and more shows over time. So that that's exciting for us. It's like we're we're. I think it validates our idea that we can be a really great platform for discovering. Have you been able to make a connection from the host of the podcast to a specific profile on Breaker, or is that something the individual host? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we do it by hand right now. Okay. So um, I'll add you yeah. <laughs> as a host. <laughs> I probably should have offered to do that a while ago. It's just it's usually you know we have to do this by hand right now. But we we're we're working on a way that you can add yourself as as the host of your own podcast, which I think will help a lot. We also get a lot of inbound requests from podcasters like, hey, how can I check that my show is up to date on Breaker? Mm. How do I make sure everything is showing up okay? So we're working on some tools for that right now as well. And to give back some data, like which of my episodes are the most liked on Breaker? Like what are, what are your, what, you know, what are listeners on Breaker doing with, you know, my podcast, which I think is super interesting. Yeah. And it's something that I've noticed specifically because we're, I'm hosting with Simplecast and I know that I do see a specific percentage breakout of folks that are listening on Breaker, which definitely caught my eye early on. I think it was probably last year sometime. So I think as a, as a podcast host, it sort of incentivizes you to, to spend more time on the app because if people are listening to you, you know, you're always looking for ways to engage and, and put a face behind the listener. And I think that's some of the features that you're adding feels like they, they would make that a bit easier to do. Oh, definitely. And that's what we're really, I mean, that's kind of what we're looking at going forward. It's kind of our goal for this year is to better connect podcasters with their audience um, is kind of the short way to say it. And I don't want to tease too much, but like we have a lot of stuff coming out to help with that. Part of that actually was, you know, we've met with Simplecast and other hosting companies mm-hmm. and have been very open about sort of helping provide data for them on on sort of who's listening on Breaker and things like that. And they, they've done a great job providing those sorts of analytics for podcasters. Something that I've heard you um, allude to a couple times is this idea of the data and the data. Is, is that something, you know, with you having come from Dropbox and Eric coming, having come from SoundCloud, that you sort of have that built into your DNA, like uh, the importance of 
leveraging the data that you you are presented with and, and seeing what are some creative ways you, that you can dig deeper and, and, and make use of it? So we when we started Breaker, we asked podcasters, mm-hmm. what what do you want? Mm-hmm. Like, what would be helpful for you? And they basically said, we want more listeners. Mm-hmm. We want to grow our audience and have have this passionate group of people who love our podcast. We want to find our people, yeah. right? Like, we know there are people out there who want to listen to our podcast. Let's find them and, and rally them. And for Breaker, that's kind of how we think about data. It's we want to draw attention to really great episodes um, and to help match podcasters with their listeners. Yeah, because you said, I think what's helpful is not only understanding to, because since you since you actually capture the amount of time people listen to a specific episode, you know, re- relaying that data back to the podcast host is extremely helpful. So, uh, do you think about the data in in two different buckets? Do you think about what you present or what you make available or what you can continue to to develop for listeners as opposed to podcast hosts? Because I see it, it seems like they would have slightly different needs. They do. Right. So as a listener, you want to know what's popular now. What do my friends like? What might I like? Mm-hmm. Like, what do I want to listen to? Like you, you get up and you're ready for your morning commute. It's like, what do I want to listen to today? And our goal is to make it super easy. Um, just open the app and we're going to present you with something that you'll enjoy, enjoy listening to. Our goal for podcasters, of course, is to sort of help them be that thing to listen to, right? Like how, how can you be in front of listeners who are going to really appreciate your content? So yeah, you're right. Yeah, that is, we really do think of it from two different perspectives. Quick aside, you mentioned you, you were listening to, to Serial. Have you listened a very fa- a very mm. fatal murder? Have you listened? No, I'm, I'm not a comedy person. This is going to blow people's <laughs> minds because there's so many really great comedy podcasts. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a comedy person. Like, I don't even watch comedy TV shows. <laughs> like, I'm just not. I need the drama. What, I need drama what, what, what's life. so funny about what they did, and they literally, like, yeah. they, they, I don't know if you've heard about it, but they basically did followed all the tropes for like every oh, everything funny. that serial does about like you know the super serious like guy going into like the backwoods of like mississippi to tell a story and then the, the random like ad read in the middle of the episode so they're totally deadpan about there's nothing like a, a funny funny thing but they just it's oh, sort of wow. like a lampoon of like the the whole genre of like the the narrative storytelling podcast it is done mm-hmm. extremely well and you just can't help but laugh because they basically nailed every single trope about like you know serial and all these murder shows and all this stuff and so it's funny <laughs> that there are tropes yeah. i still feel like podcasting is so young yeah. um and everything's so new right I think it's funny that there's like, oh, there's like 10 advertisers who advertise on every (laughs) podcast. Like, that's funny that that's a thing. And I I don't know that it's kind of nice that that's the way things are now. But, you know, I I see podcasting is evolving, right? So Serial was kind of, in its way, it was kind of a breakout hit. And we're seeing more and more different types of of shows emerge. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's been really fun to watch. I'll, I'll, I'll have to sort of give it a listen and give it a try. But, okay. Give it a listen, one or two episodes. I'd be <laughs> curious what, what your thoughts are. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, we have folks that listen that are also entrepreneurs and, and work with in with startups or are a startup themselves. So coming from a, a big company like Dropbox, what were some of the, the challenges or, or some of the adjustments you had to make as you, as you started to build Breaker? That's a great question. So like I mentioned, so Breaker is actually my third startup. Yep. Um, and what I've kind of learned is, 
um, to be a lot less stressed about running a startup, which is hard to say. Mm -hmm. It's like, how, how do you yeah. become less stressed? Um, so one of the things I did first was I, I said, I never want to create another company unless I have a really great team and a really great market. And yep. so when podcasting came up, I was like, okay, this is a great market. It's going to continue to grow. Podcasting is like, I, as a listener, just love listening to podcasts. And I was like, more people need to know about this. Um, mm -hmm. And how can we help as a tech company? And then we did something really smart, Eric and I, which was we didn't quit our day jobs. <laughs> That's smart. We kept our day jobs yep. um, until, so so I had these milestones. So my first milestone, I, I worked on the iOS app and Eric worked on the backend server side, all the data okay. that we're talking about. That's Eric's done a lot of that work. Um, this is when we first started the company. Yeah. We now have seven people. So we're a little bigger team than just me and Eric, but it was just me and Eric. Um, and we had day jobs. Mm -hmm. Eric had actually left SoundCloud and was working at Instacart. Um, okay. I was still at Dropbox. Um, and, and I had one goal. My goal was to get Eric to switch from Overcast because I had been using the <laughs> Apple Podcast app, which yeah. wasn't that great. Yeah. So it's not like, not like you have to do a ton of work to get people to switch. Exactly. But I had to do enough work that he could confidently switch off of Overcast and start using Breakers. So that was my goal. Get one user. And that one user was Eric. Um, and then I set another goal that was like, okay, now let's invite 10 of our friends and let's get 10 people to use this regularly. Yeah. Um, so that was our goal. And we put up like a splash page that like had an email sign up. So some of our first users came through that. Thank you. If you, you're one of our first users, but we basically ran it through test flight, which is sort of the yep. iOS beta testing yeah. software. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we ended up adding more and more friends of friends. And then we were up to a hundred users and then 200. And then, then we, we, opened it up more and had like a thousand users. And then we put it on a product and product tense has this, um, sort of pre-release like beta testing thing yeah. called ship. Okay. Um, so we had, uh, which we have a ship for Android right now, by the way, if you hear this, sign up for ship on Android, a breaker Android, because we're running our beta test. So we use that to bring in another few thousand users. And at the time test flight could only support 12 or 2000 users. Yeah. Now I think it's up to like 6,000 or 10,000 or something like that. Mm -hmm. So we maxed out our like 2000 users on test flight. And then we were like, okay, we probably need to quit our day jobs and like actually work on this. So I am, and we didn't actually incorporate until I want to say like nine months into building oh, wow. an app. So quite a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, this all happened over the course of about a year um, from the time we sort of started thinking about Breaker to really making it a real company and incorporating and things like that. And I love that. I thought that was smart, right? Yeah. Because at any point in that year, um, lots of things can go wrong, right? Like Eric and I could not get along and disagree mm -hmm. or could find out that the app wasn't working or that we couldn't get any users or our fundamental premise was wrong or there's all these things that can happen in the first year um, that can be very stressful if it also affects sort of your income and your personal life and, and things like that. Um, so we moved a little more slowly because I really only worked on it like Saturday and Sunday of the week. I had like a day job during the rest of the week. And by the time I was done with my day job, I like didn't want to go home and work on it. But I, I basically worked on it every weekend for for about a year. So that's how we got uh, Breaker built. I didn't have much of a life on the weekends <laughs> for a year, but it was it was worth it. It was really fun. We had a good time. We'd meet up for like brunch and we'd discuss new ideas and yeah. I'd go home and I'd like I'd build build stuff and Eric would go home and build stuff. Um <laughs> And that's kind of how Breaker got built, which is a very unorthodox approach to a startup, um, but really worked for us. And it worked for me, like being the third startup. I was like, I just don't want the stress of doing quit the day job and then panic yeah. and have no money and 
have to worry about all, all this stuff. Do you remember um, what was the inflection point where you realized that you, you guys had something here? That is a great question. I think we were both really excited about podcasting as a space. Yeah. And everyone we talked to and we said we want to do something in podcasting was very excited. So I think that was like a very good early signal. It mm-hmm. was like, okay, I think we're sort of on the right track. Um, I think getting the first few users who are really passionate about Breaker um, helped a lot to, to sort of boost morale um, and make us like excited about what we were building. And then as far as Breaker goes, I still see us in like very early phase. Yeah. Um, we're still, we're still only a seed stage company. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now we're really exploring how can we push further? Like what can we do that no one else is really doing? Mm. And that's what we're working on right now. So I'm like very excited about sort of the future of Breaker is we have lots of things that nobody is doing, but we're adding more and more sort of like, how can we really push the boundaries of podcasting? Anything that you can share without revealing too much? So I think I mentioned a few things, um, sort of what we're thinking about going forward. Um, and I don't want to tease too much, but um, like we mentioned host, host and guest credits and sort of statistics for podcasters and things that I think we've been looking at the listener side of things for a long time. Mm. Um, and we're starting to really focus on the podcaster side as well and how to connect those two. So can you talk a little bit about the, the revenue model? Cause obviously if you're, if you're both making a decision to, and you've convinced some other folks to, to join you as well, what, what's the future of that look like? So right now we are a venture funded startup, yeah. which is great. Um, but we currently, um, have sort of a, um, a way for podcasters to charge for their own content. Um, and we take a small cut of that. Um, and then I think we, we have a lot of different options going forward and mm-hmm. we're sort of exploring what works best for podcasters. I think this is still, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. Yeah. How do you make money as a podcaster as well? So we want to make money when podcasters make money, I guess is the, yeah. the um, answer. Yeah. Um, we've explored a ton of different things. There's a lot of companies right now doing exclusive content and paid subscriptions from users. Um, there's, Folks, obviously, advertising has been the most traditional model for podcasting in the past. It's, it's all been ad supported. Yeah. And now we're looking at, oh, what if you have, you know, backers and supporters mm-hmm. of your podcast? What does that look like? Or what does it look like if you could sell premium content, um, which is sort of the path we've been exploring? But I think we're open to trying some different things. So, so we, we originally pitched Breaker as Netflix for podcasts and that we're going to make exclusive content mm-hmm. and charge for it. But we're also at the same time letting some other companies sort of try that model first yeah. um, to see how it goes. Because I don't think it's a winner-take-all scenario in the same way that Netflix really isn't a winner-take-all, right? There's Amazon and HBO and Hulu also competing in that space. Um, I actually subscribed to three of those, four of them. I think I subscribed to all of them. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's so yeah. funny that the new cutting the cord model means you actually have technically more quote unquote cords to maintain. I mean, all told you're probably mm-hmm. paying less than what we used to pay. Like, Oh, I'm definitely yeah. paying. I don't, I don't have cable TV yeah. and I'm definitely paying. I haven't had cable TV for like, I don't know, seven years. Yeah. 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 And so it's interesting because, um, you sort of have to, it's a little bit more work because now you have to manage all these 999 relationships. <laughs> and you're, you know, and, and again, it, it used to be $170 for cable, right? So it, you know, all told, it's, it's still, um, cheaper, but it's a little bit more of a hassle until someone figures out a way to aggregate that in someone, someone develops a, some sort of front end where you can just kind of like 
tick off the ones you want. Then you just... I just have an Apple TV. <laughs> we've been pretty mobile now, so just we've been watching stuff actually uh-huh. through either Chromecast or actually directly on the laptop. But yeah, it's, nice. it, it's always like you. T- I don't know if you got into uh, Cobra Kai, <laughs> which as anyone who's been a fan of, uh, I don't know if you've heard of it. It's basically uh, Karate Kid, if you remember the show from the uh-huh. 80s, the movies from the 80s. Yeah, yeah. It's the same actors like 30 years later. And oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> so it's like Daniel, like Daniel, whatever the guy's name was. Which service is this on? It's on, it's on YouTube. YouTube? Yeah, it's on YouTube. Oh, great. Oh, my gosh. I forget. You know, I, I when I think about YouTube, I think YouTube is in really a unique position yeah. um, in terms of content. They do a kind of a mix of everything, right? They do advertising. Yes. They do exclusive content. They have YouTube mm-hmm. paid and premium. And yeah, so they're really, really pushing the boundary there. So, so yeah, we look to television as like another model of a more, I would say like a more mature yeah. media form in terms of what we could potentially do for more monetization than, than we're currently doing. Yeah. I think what's important is, and, and it seems like it's what you guys are doing, making the application as sticky as possible and both for the listener to be honest, like I'm, my primary is is Overcast simply because I have so much stuff there. And as anyone else, and I'm sure Eric can attest to this, like the, the biggest hurdle is like just breaking those uh, habits of just like having that as your go-to. Um, but the fact that you support the playlists, and I think what I'm going to do is just make time this week to just uh, use the import function and just finally make the make the jump over <laughs> so i can really oh that's so nice of you yeah. yeah give it a try and let us know what you think yeah and i think it's helpful and i'll, I'll be definitely giving you feedback on the experience because i already know the things that i like and that are lend itself well to my my listening habits and and, mm-hmm. and, and the playlist for me was like one of the very very important ones just because there's so many to manage and it just depends what i'm what mood i'm in but i think curated playlist maybe something that's what you know how spotify does like music for the weekend or something like that. Maybe that might be something you could, you could, I don't know if you're doing some of that, but we have some ideas. Yeah. <laughs> so we have user created. So right now you can create playlists and you can make yep. a public playlist. Yeah. We're thinking about potentially using those playlists that people create yeah. um, and sharing them more broadly with breaker audience. Yeah. So that's like a little hint. We don't have a lot of playlists yet because the feature just launched yeah, yeah. maybe a month or two ago, very recent. So we're still. You know, we're running. We're actually running a contest um, for to get the most listeners on a playlist. Oh, so. cool! And so, w- yeah. if, if you use the import OPML function, would that import the playlists from Overcast as well? Just subscriptions. So okay. the OPML format is only for podcast subscriptions. Mm. I know it's an ancient, ancient standard. Mm. Maybe we should update it somehow, but then you gotta get everyone to agree to it. So. <laughs> well, I, I think yeah. that. I mean, so this is the other thing, and I'm wondering if you could speak a little bit to this about what your experience was as you started to interact with the podcasting community itself, because it's something that I was, you know, when I started five plus years ago with podcast junkies, one of the things that stood out for me was just how helpful everyone was when I started going to the conferences. And I'm, and I'm wondering what you've experienced with some of the interactions you've had with the community. It's been great. Honestly, like we, we've really enjoyed working with podcasters as well as other folks in the app space or podcast hosting. I think people are really podcast listeners and podcast creators are very passionate and about podcasts. And I think it is this thing that like, once you discover podcasts exist, it's very exciting. You're like, when you know, I'm doing the laundry. I'm going to listen to a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Like you find time in your day to listen. Do you guys get to make it to a lot of the conferences? We do. 
Um, we're still very small. Mm-hmm. Um, so for us, it's a bit to, to make it out to some. So I, I don't think we're going to any coming up. But I think it'll be something we'll be more involved in as we grow. Yeah, there's podcast movement coming up uh, in Orlando, yeah. which is the biggest one. Yeah, we're kind of, we're. I think we're sitting this year out, mostly just because we have all of our own plans and things that we're working on and um, that we're pretty excited about. But I think we'll probably go in the future. Well, I definitely want to connect you with the Squadcast team because they're actually there in the Bay Area. They're, I think they're, they're in Sacramento and they, they do meetups in in San Fran as well. So I don't know if you've attended or, or been privy to any of the, the local meetups, but there's a pretty strong uh, local podcast community in the Bay Area as well. Yeah, I've been going to some for podcasters in the Bay Area, yeah. um, though I'm really not not like you are. I'm not really a podcaster. We have like a breaker podcast called Breaking Ground mm-hmm. that, that is like an inside breaker podcast that I'm a guest on sometimes, but I'm not, <laughs> I'm not even the host. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so... I'm wondering also if you can, um, if if you've got plans in terms of like how to engage or, or what the response been for people that are fans of, of Breaker. Like, do do they want like more access to you, or or are there is there like a Slack group, or like do you, how do you engage with people who are actually like regular and just really hardcore users of the of the app? I think right now a lot of it's through Twitter. Okay. Twitter and Instagram yep. are probably some of our bigger channels for communicating. But also we have the podcast. We also have this like kind of fun bug reporting tool, mm. which is if you take a screenshot in Breaker, it says, hey, did something go wrong? Send us a report. Sometimes people just use that to communicate with us. Yeah, we're very receptive to feedback. Um, and a lot of what we do is gone bug fixes, but also feature requests from users. So that's why I'm like, oh, we'd love to hear what you actually, what your flow is now for listening to podcasts and how Breaker could be better or what you like about it and sort of. We're trying to make a really great podcast listening experience with the app. It's pretty crazy. I didn't realize that. <laughs> that was a, that's a cool feature. I just tried it right now. But where you you detect that a cat, that a photo was being taken. Yeah, we use a third party tool called Bug Life. Yeah, I saw that. To do that. So if cool. you're an app maker, check out Bug Life for user feedback reporting. It's pretty fun. It's so funny because that's pers- that's people's first reaction when they see something that's not working. They click on the screenshot buttons <laughs> to take a snapshot of it. Yeah, we shouldn't talk about it too publicly <laughs> though, because Apple doesn't like it. Because they're like, uh, "Oh, we have this—they have this new screenshot thing," and they're like, "Oh, don't interfere with the screenshots." Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Whatever, so whatever. It's helpful though. I mean, because yeah. I think that the thing is with that feedback, it, you know, it's it's people want it in the moment that they're using it, but then like real life takes over, and then they're doing other stuff, and they forget, and they you know, mm-hmm. and then that feedback never makes its way back to you. Yeah, so hopefully this is a way we can capture yeah. capture more feedback. Can yeah. do you can you try I mean because you guys are so, you know, tracking so many different data points, can you see like people that have had like large numbers of conversations or interactions with with their guests cuz you know there's obviously an option to send a note to the specific host or to add a comment and so do you see metrics at that level like certain shows are getting a lot of comments or certain users are making a lot of comments? Yeah, I want to, I mean, I want to take a step back because like we do a lot of data and metrics tracking at yeah. Breaker, but we do it rather anonymously. Okay. So I think we have like a pretty healthy respect for user yeah. privacy. Um, so we, we have some sense, I mean, 
I, I don't think we consider shows and episodes to be very private. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, you know, published publicly. So we display like, oh, you know, this many people listened to this or liked this or subscribed to this. Um, but when it comes to sort of users, we're pretty tough about, we don't look at anyone's messages mm-hmm. or, you know, that stuff is all anonymous to yeah, us. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. But I don't know how to answer this question like nicely. It's like there's limits to, you know, we, we have a lot of respect for privacy and, and most of what we're using data for is just to present discovery options, but we're not, you know, we're not singling out individual users in that way. Yeah, I think, no, I, I think just overall what's helpful, and this is some of the discussion uh, I've, I've talked to the Squadcast folks about, but because you have a, um, you're in a unique, you're in a unique place, unique place where you can actually see activity, you can you can do sort of, um, you know what what the view is from your end, sort of like Libsyn when it does um, mm-hmm. median numbers. You know they're just using anonymized aggregate data, so across their whole collection of of, of, of shows, they can give you stats like median numbers, which is helpful mm-hmm. for the podcasting world. So I think just to see you know, how many conversations are happening without the specifics, I think is would be I think encouraging to to a podcast host like myself to say, hey. Wow, like on average, each show is getting five likes and you know three comments. Well, or something let's like that. get you added as a host on your show because you'll get <laughs> yeah. push notifications when you get new comments. Yeah, yeah that'll be cool which too. Which is kind of nice. Yeah, it'll be really fun. You get push notifications of new likes and comments and subscribers and things. Um, so we're we're working on making some of this stuff easier to set up for for podcasters. And so. Um, uh, in terms of how the company is, is growing as well, um, I, I think one of the, you, you mentioned some of the ideas you had about the marketplace. I think anything that is helpful for a podcaster to sort of either monetize it or, or get more information about like who's listening or be able to engage with that. I think, um, any reporting around that I think would be helpful. Um, and, and, and any relationship that, that you can maybe bridge, um, with sponsors, if there's a way you guys can creatively think about that, I think. Like, you know, like all podcasters are getting started and every little bit helps when they're, when they're trying to monetize. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. This is, these are great ideas. Yeah. And I think it's all, you know, in support of how can, how can we be better for podcasters? Um, we have a lot of, lot of listeners, um, and how do we get you information that could be helpful and then how do we help you succeed? So, uh, stepping back a little, what, what's the, 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 your backstory in terms of like, you know, bef- how you ended up at, uh, Dropbox and prior to that, have, have you always, has, has tech always been a part of your life? Yeah. So I'm a software engineer. I went to school for computers. I went to college for computer science. Okay. Um, I grew up in Minnesota in, which, yeah, which is in actually where I'm at, area. which is actually where I'm at. Yeah. <laughs> That's just wild. Are you from Minnesota? No, 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 no. Um, okay. No, no, my, my girlfriend is, and um, that's where I'm currently at right now. So it's so funny. Oh, that's great. Uh, where are you? Where? What I'm area in, of Minnesota are you in? I'm in Minneapolis, uh, by up uptown. Oh, great, yeah. great. Yeah, I grew up in Bloomington, okay. like this, one of the south suburbs. But um, yeah, I went to the University of Minnesota. Okay. Um, studied computer science in Minnesota, and then um, moved out to the San Francisco Bay Area to sort of work in tech. After that, and that was about a decade ago. So, um, and in that time, I, I'm really passionate about sort of connecting people on the internet. So I've, I've worked a lot in blogging, um, in social media, um, in terms of uh, as an engineer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what was exciting about podcasts is I felt like it was the space that could benefit from 
some of that like more personal user interaction. Yeah. So that that's kind of my background. Whereas Eric came from SoundCloud mm-hmm. and from a more audio technical sort of background and interest in podcasting as a long time. So, so I, I said I started uh, Breaker because I was into serial. Like Eric has been listening to podcasts for a lot longer than I have. So yeah. he's more of like a old school uh, podcast listener, which, which makes a good combo. I'm kind of like the every person and he's kind of the more um, fanatic podcast listener. What's your earliest recollection of just like a, a piece of technology? that you remember from early on? Oh, that's an interesting question. What, what is the earliest piece of technology you remember? I, I mean, I don't know. Um, well, for me, my, my dad, I was lucky enough to have a father who introduced me to computers. So I actually had mm-hmm. a, a, like a Tandy 1000 computer and a Texas Instruments <laughs> computer mm-hmm. super early on. So as someone who's you know been in technology for as, as long as you can remember, I'm wondering if you can remember like... Whether it's a, yeah, my family's first computer was an Apple II gifted to us from like an aunt and uncle. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, when I was pretty young, and my first—I really remember my first experience with computers being typing papers for class. Okay. Like it's so boring, right? <laughs> and yeah. as like the only applications we had was like one game, like a typing program, and then print shop yeah, to yeah, make yeah. like cards and banners. I miss banners I, a lot. Oh yeah. I miss having like the dot the dot matrix, the dot matrix. The printer. Yeah with the printer paper that yeah, like went on forever. Totally. I recently saw some at an airport. Like they were still printing things using like, and I was like, well, how old is their software? <laughs> well, it's oh, so funny yeah. because it's sort of like places you generation, like in a generation. Cause I mean, there's people that are born today that will have no idea what like a floppy disk is a dot matrix printer, you know, even things like, I like blowing people's minds by saying <laughs> I didn't have a cell phone until I was in college. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the iPhone doesn't exist till I graduated yeah. college. Well, so it came out the year after I graduated from college. So I'm not that, that old, but yeah, that one, that one people find amusing. I also, uh, the matrix came out when I was in high school. Okay. Which is, that must've been wild. Yeah. That, that dates me a little bit. It's such a good movie. I just rewatched it recently. It is. Too. It's Unfortunately, it's they, they couldn't get the rest right. And they sort of, the, they weren't as good the sub- subsequent ones but the first one is sort of like holds its own it can stand on its own as like one of the best movies of all time so it's amazing and the technology doesn't even make sense anymore like why are they calling <laughs> pay phones to like tap into people and you just have to suspend your yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, knowledge of technology and just be like okay this is the way it goes i think the movie the ring is really funny oh my Do you remember god the horror movie? i love that movie you know what's so funny is it was like my favorite horror movie when i was younger and none of it makes sense anymore. Well, like it, <laughs> it could happen because they watch a videotape, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you go to a cabin in the woods and you pop a videotape into a VCR, which doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> and then you watch the video and then the phone rings, a landline. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Someone yeah. calls the landline and it's like seven days or whatever, you know? Yeah. But, but the fact that you have to watch a videotape and then they call you on the land, which was creepy, right? Because yeah. how would you know the phone number of the house that you're calling, right? Yeah, yeah. Like. Like that's what made it creepy. <laughs> rem- None of that exists anymore. That movie was, but it was so groundbreaking <gasps> because you know there's that there's that one scene. I don't think we're doing any spoiler alerts at this time. It's been around okay. for so long. But that one scene where she comes out, it was of the TV. It was like crazy because I don't think anyone had any, any anyone never done anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. and the, I think some of the, the shots in that were so creepy yeah. and so scary. And it was like a Japanese yeah. movie and it was just like, mm-hmm. it was so funny because I remember watching it and then uh, I actually went back, told a friend to go watch it and then snuck back in the theater um, 
to to sit behind them, but we didn't tell them. So <laughs> so we were. Can you then? Yeah, well, there was no cell phones back then. No, no, I was no. like, you could just call them on their phone and be like, seven days, but nobody had phones. No, but we basically waited for that scene where they get like the the crap scared out of them, and then we like poked them on the back or like whatever we did something uh, like but we literally waited until we, we just snuck back in so we could just so we could sit back in behind them um just to see their reaction when that came out so that was hilarious oh god that was such a scary movie yeah. what's interesting about these futuristic movies is they love using old-timey stuff in the future mm-hmm. like you're to your point like the the the, the screens are always like dot like green like crts like in the future, mm-hmm. which is crazy, because <laughs> it's like, why are they using like DOS prompts in like the future? It's so wild. It's so funny when you. Hey, if they still use that <laughs> dot matrix printer, the airport, I don't know. Maybe we are stuck with this stuff forever. That's true. What's your? What, I'm wondering what your thoughts are, having been in technology for you know for a, a good part of your life. Like thoughts about how you know people developing a healthy relationship with technology, because you know you don't have to go far to see everyone just stuck and glued to their phone. So. And I, I should probably mention the, the project we're working on together, this idea of the Global Podcast Meetup, um, which should uh, we should still have time to promote it because I think by the time this episode is released, people can still sign up for it. But the beauty of, the, of something like that is that it allows people to engage in real life without feeling like so tethered to just technology. Yeah, I mean... I personally, because I work on technology every day, I'm very conscious of stepping away um, and being away from my phone. So what's funny is my parents and things are like on their phone at restaurants. And for me, that's like a big taboo. It's like, okay, (laughs) no, no phones in restaurants. Like it stays in my purse or stays in my pocket. It doesn't, doesn't come out. Um, I don't know if you found that as well. Different generations treat that very differently. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And then I also make a point of being out in the world um, and not just at my desk all the time. So um, my my hobby is like fitness things. So I'm a runner and I go to the gym and I do things that are, you know, out, out, outside, like getting out and do and But I make I make that like a I have to make a point of doing it. Otherwise, I'd be stuck at my phone or computer all day. Um, so yeah, I alluded to it, the, the project we're working on together. It's the global podcast meetup. And I know that you guys posted a, a medium post on it about it. Um, but I think just the importance of it is it's, it's a day when everyone can sort of have a shared passion for podcasting. And so it's fans of podcast junkies, fans of breaker, but quite honestly, anyone who's, who self identifies as a fan of podcasts. And, and it's just really one day. For folks to to get out of their their comfort zone and have conversations with with people um, about podcasting, so I'm I'm really excited that we're working on it together, and, and I'm and I'm wondering what your thoughts are when you, when you saw the new social team uh, pitch it to us. I I love the idea. So what I really like about it is oftentimes there's meetups, but it's at like a single location. And what's nice about this global meetup is that. It's not virtual. You're still meeting with people in person. But if you can find enough, if enough people in each city sign up, they get to, to meet in person. So, you know, Minneapolis um, versus, you know, San Francisco or, you know, wherever you're at, you know, get people to sign up and we'll have enough people to sort of meet in, in different locations. So I, I'm really excited for it. I think it'll be really fun to see people in person. Yeah. So it's going to be uh, Saturday, August 17th, and the location is actually global. So wherever you are, you can uh, join a group that's in that's meeting already. Um, and then we'll, we'll pull out, there'll be a link to the show notes for where you can get more information. But it's been posted on uh, your 
the Breaker Medium mm-hmm. post, which is, is it medium.com forward slash breaker? Blog.breaker.audio. Blog.breaker.audio. Perfect. And then, Fancy. um, yeah. <laughs> and so I'm looking forward to it. A couple of questions as, as we wrap up. Um, what's something you've changed your mind about recently? Oh, wow. Something I've changed my mind about recently. Oh, that's such a hard question <laughs> to put, be put on the spot. I change my mind about things all the time. <laughs> and it doesn't have to be anything tech or it could be personal. It could be food. Yeah, process. I have a that's personal right. one. So yeah. I've always thought it'd be really awesome to have a hot tub at my house. <laughs> okay. But now I've realized that part of the fun of hot tubs is that you don't have one at your house. Yeah, exactly. That like, like I'm, I'm about to go on vacation this weekend just for like a couple of days. Um, yeah. I'm going up to Napa and wine country oh, and I'm really excited to sit in a hot tub. <laughs> right. Funny. But like I wouldn't have that excitement if I just had one every day. So yeah, and I hear they're like not that easy to keep clean and maintain and all that sort of stuff too. So yeah, there are many things in life that I think are better rented and not owned. Yeah, good point. Um, what's the most misunderstood thing about you? Um, it's funny. I'm. I think I'm a very traditional computer programmer. Mm-hmm. Um, for as much as I do startup things and talk about other things when it comes down to it. What I I really love and am passionate about is when I get like a free few hours to sit down and write code and work on something that's probably mm. the happiest moments for me. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of that isn't really publicly seen or not even my friends really, really know that. Very cool. Interesting. So um, where's the best place for folks to uh, get connected with you and or Breaker online? So Breaker is breaker.audio is the website. Um, You can also find us in the app store um, and you can seek out and sign up uh, to try the Android app as well now, which is very exciting. Um, You can find me personally on all the social networks um, at Leah Culver. Okay. Well, Leah, thanks for making the time to, to uh, join us on Podcast Junkies. I appreciate the fact that we got to tell the Breaker story and, and, and get a little background on you and how you ended up at Breaker. So uh, thanks, for, thanks for sharing your story with my audience. Thank you so much. And I'm glad we got to talk a little bit about TV shows and podcasts <laughs> yeah. and some other things as well, movies, horror movies. Yeah, yeah. exactly. We, we, we ran the gamut here. So thanks again. Yeah. So thanks to Leah for taking the time out of her busy schedule to tell us a little bit more about the Breaker app. And I really like what they're doing. I'm going to be giving it uh, another deeper look and actually importing my files from Overcast and see how that goes. Thanks again to our sponsors, Focusrite and the fantastic Scarlett 2i2, and also Aweber, sponsor of the Beyond the Podcast Summit, September 18th from 11 a.m. Eastern to 3 p.m. Eastern. Go to beyondthepodcastsummit.com to sign up for free and be entered for a chance to win some brand new podcasting gear. Tune in next week for my conversation with John Livesey, an old friend, one of my earliest clients, and just an incredible success story with what he's been able to do with the successful pitch, even making his way onto TV. And we'll hear more about that. Intro and outro music composed by Cedar and Soil. If you've made it this far, no doubt you're looking for the retention hashtag. Let's go with Breaker App. That's B-R-E-A-K-E-R-A-P-P. And you can tag myself at podcast underscore junkies on Twitter. And also Leah at Leah Culver, L-E-A-H-C-U-L-V-E-R. Thanks for everything you do and have a fantastic week.